Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then write the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... 47 Ronin by Carl Rinch, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish by Joel Crawford and Emmanuel Mercado. We have newly released The Pale Blue Eye by Scott Cooper, Skinnamarink by Kyle Edward Ball, and finally Missing, directed by Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Thomas, how's it going? It's going okay. Bear just got through the intro there. <laughs> by the skin of my teeth. It's <laughs> a lot of co-directors. Falling all over this and falling down the stairs on that one. Uh, how was your week of movies, man? Uh, as you can tell, week's a little bit all over the place. Surprisingly spooky for January. Uh, true, and uh, we'll have actually two two other horror movies and new releases next week as well. Uh, we have Fear and Infinity Pool. Yeah, so. I, I don't like it. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I, like it. I, I think uh, not only is the horror kind of a... Well, I guess this week it's really only Skin and Rink. Uh, that's that's true horror. Um, Pale Blue Eyes just kind of thriller mystery. I, I, yeah, much much more mystery. Uh, miss, I thought it was going to be is, more uh, more of a thriller, yeah. more of a horror. But and missing and missing was more so thriller mystery as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, still. But y- your observation still. is dead on because uh, January is kind of like a, the dump month, and I feel like a lot of a lot of things get dumped in there. Usually, well, horror we just is the we, one we cover enough in October. <laughs> Cover enough in October. I'm not trying to be scared. But we do have something fun, though, at least. <laughs> yeah. We do have a fun one that we yeah. like that we're going to get to. Right. Um, okay, so let's just, let's start with the first one, because I don't know exactly the connection here. <laughs> uh, this is going back to 2013. Everything else came out in, like, 2022. <laughs> yep. It, again, Fairly new week, yeah. Yes. Missing came out. To, Missing is technically the only one that came out in 2023. Mm-hmm. Pale Blue Eyes, Skin and Marine, Piss and Boots for 2022. We're kind of throwing <laughs> those... Did you say piss and boots? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Piss and boots. <laughs> that's that's. But uh, it, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of catch up, but it's also a little bit of proper newly released. Finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless, so our first one is back in 2013. Um, I, I, this is 47 Ronin. <laughs> it didn't do well when it came out. It's not doing it well did. today. Um, <laughs> what made you? What, uh, I don't know what. What was going on through your head? So, folks, Tom knows I was a bit of a procrastinator this week. Uh, we <laughs> we watched the first movie out of the five together uh, <laughs> on Friday, so it was it was scrambling together. Yes. So I, I needed, and what's not this? I have no part of this. No, no, yeah, I needed an easy one. Uh, and uh, you might be saying, "Oh, what about Plane? What about Megan Methrigan? 
Uh, and to that, I say, and those two movies do not have John Wick in it. So, <laughs> 47 Ronin, actually pre-Wick. Uh, this is 2013. Um, this is before the colossal rise of, or the return of Keanu Reeves. Um, you think he one, went away? You think he had a return? Oh, a return with John Wick? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Absolutely. I actually remember when Neon Demon came out, uh, and it was... Mm. Uh, it was kind of like, whoa, he's he's a supporting actor in this. What's what's going on, Keanu Reeves? That is uh, true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm gonna, uh, you, you, turn but, me, you turn me around on that one. <laughs> I won you over. This did come out Christmas Day too, so it's just really? like some of these, but mm. this is back in 2013. Right, but it, in but two- an easy watch, a two hour and eight movie. Uh, Keanu Reeves Samurai movie? Yeah, I thought it was going to be easy watch. <laughs> I had a lot more to say about it, uh, but let's go into some of the elevator pitch here. Yeah, go uh, so for it. 47 Ronin is set in a mythical, magical fantasy Japan, but the story and the and the, the skeleton uh, of the story is based off of a real legend uh, from the feudal era. Uh, we follow Keanu Reeves, a half-breed exile that is tied to mystical forces around Japan. And uh, we also follow the actor Hiroyuki Sanada, a similarly exiled samurai without a lord, and that is, uh, of course, what makes a ronin, a samurai without a lord. It is true to the Japanese legend, they they gather up forces to overcome a shogun ruler uh, with only 47 st- swords strong. So that's basically our kind of fantasy setup. And the, the film is split, not well, but it is split between trying to tell the real legend in, in, in Japanese folk, folklore yeah. and then mixing in these fun, magical elements, mystical elements, like a witch fox and uh, fantasy beasts and whatnot within the storytelling. Unfortunately, that's the side that works, and that's the only only the sprinkling to it trying to tell this, you know, this epic. So uh, I'm surprised it does work, because it comes mm. across a little bit looking like Suicide Squad-y people. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, oh maybe the one the tattoo one guy, guy. Definitely. Yeah, right. But I... <laughs> It didn't feel superhero-ish at all, right? No, it, no, not at all. If anything, this is too boring to be called oh, okay, uh, all right. superhero-ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll focus on some of the good. <laughs> right. So you said it, with those characters are good and introducing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, the, the film is, is interesting because, it's again, it's trying to juggle a, a real samurai tale uh, and then, you know, a mystical, mythical type of uh, perspective on on Japanese legends and, and Japanese creatures. Design-wise, I think, is where it really works. Um, creatures, monsters, set design really looks great. Hmm. Uh, and I think this is where I would, in the rare comment I make on budgets, point to this movie's budget. Uh, this was a colossal failure as far as a budget to botch up box office return, but design is where a lot of this budget goes and probably getting Keanu Reeves amongst an all-Japanese cast. The armor design in this is outrageously cool, like <laughs> really, really awesome stuff. Not historically accurate in the least, okay. but again, I, I think the magical side is, is, is what works here and is what's really eye-catching and... Holy shit, how is the CGI in this better than any Marvel film probably in the last six years? And this is from 2013. Good CGI. Good CGI. Is it limited? Is that why? Right. I would say it's... 
maybe the folk, the real big focus of mm-hmm. maybe like five scenes. Again, they're trying to tell a story much more about these Ronin, these these samurais overthrowing the Lord, right. and, and it's just sprinkled with this magical stuff. Um, but the magical stuff that is there and that is CGI looks awesome, like no joke. It holds up and is better wow. than a lot of what we we're seeing. And like Marvel and everything like that. Yeah, I was just scratching my head. Why <clears> was this case? Only thing I can come up with is that it was probably a fairly not cheap movie to to make, but you have a full Japanese cast. You're not spending a lot of that budget probably in uh, so after, actors and right. whatnot. It was all going towards design. So after know? set mm-hmm. and costumes, that's right. so much money in those five scenes could be honed in right. with the CGI right. that they did need to, and then Absolutely. the rest of the money in sets and things like that, yep. and armor, armor, and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's got it had a 2013 a budget of. I mean, I'm getting 170 here. Is that what yep. you got? Yeah, 175. Yep. Yeah, which, I mean that's a lot for. There was more, bigger budgeted films back sure. then, but not a lot of bigger budgeted films. Right. Like right. one, it, you get over 150, that's still big time. That's Absolutely. still big time. Absolutely. Uh, Universal Studios was behind this, of course. You're right. So. They were talking this up. You know what this reminds me? Mm. It would be a cool special, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be. But. <laughs> The whitewashing of Asian, Asian oh, like absolutely. legends. You would have this, the Great Wall. Uh, oh, Last great Samurai. choice, absolutely. Yeah, Last Samurai. Uh, Last Samurai. Uh, I mean, yeah, we could do Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> we want to focus on whitewashing there, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and 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 you hit on some of the the problem uh, of what yeah. this film is. They so. all they all kind of fall into a certain. Last Samurai might be a little bit different. Yeah, that actually might hold up still and be mm-hmm. pretty good. But this was always yeah. Eh. Uh, from from the get go, and you saw this before? No, no. Wow, uh, and that's so why kind of I was kind of, for it. yeah, it was just kind of like some boots. You want to see swords? <laughs> you in the sword fighting mood? Right, I was in the sword fighting <laughs> mood. I was just on the. I need to kind of turn my brain off, and then mm. I saw the critical reception of this, and I play my favorite game: is are they right or are they wrong? <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, they were they were pretty right. But like I said, there 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 is something to appreciate here about design and world building. I think the problem with me here is that, um, man, it just it just does not focus on the fantasy as much as it should, and it's a shame because that's where, you know, it looks great, but is this kind of colossal box office failure, and it's a shame that the CGI pays off in a good way because maybe it's what back in two thir- 2013 was a growing trend of saying, hey, let's not put all the money we can towards making perfect CGI. Let's pump it out and see what actually comes back in the box office. Right, you know? right. But there's a few elephants in the room uh, to explain the horrible scores online for 47 Ronin. First of all, let me just say it is real boring in fat chunks, chunky chunks of boring bore you to tears nothing going mm. on just mm, just tough uh, especially when Ke- if keanu's delivering lines yeah exactly it's just a real snoozer uh, and i mean like really boring there's just not enough focus on the cool fantasy it's fantasy japan with like i said i mean everything from fox witches to bird monks uh and and loosely ties that all together but loses that as the focus very quickly because again it's trying to juggle this this real this real samurai fantasy or the real samurai legend uh, of the 47 ronin so i i would assume that i would i assume going into it i would enjoy the real rather than the fake yeah but the problem is you're saying that the fake is just like, there's really nothing there. It's boring. Yeah, it's there's just nothing there. Boring. Yeah. No, like, decent history. Like, oh, true samurai right. culture history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 
in the sense, do you kind of get a, a grasp of how important you know honor and concepts like bushido are uh, to these to these characters? Okay, but it's butchering. But, yeah, They're doing yeah, exactly. a bad job at it. Yeah, I mean, this is not you watch a Kurosawa film. You know, I mean, don't watch Forty Seven <laughs> Ronin by Universal Pictures. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just they wanted their cake and eat it too. Uh, that cake being a fun fantasy epic uh, and as well a true to legend uh, Japanese story. Right. Uh, right. And it just it just doesn't work. Or at least in execution, something that's not brought up, in a, a brought to light in a lot of the online dialogue is that this has no right being in English. Uh, not only would it be a perfect match as far as content, as far as acting, yeah, to have this very large Japanese cast uh, just speak in their in their native tongue. But it would just solve the biggest issue, and and again, people people shy away from this kind of criticism online. It's bad Japanese accents delivering English yeah. lines. Listen, in no way am I saying that a full Japanese cast should not be applauded. I like what they're going for here, but countless supporting actors stumble through English lines time after time again and it sinks the whole thing yeah. and it probably makes the script and the dialogue sound worse than it is i really do think if this would be in japanese tongue in you know their natural language talking about these concepts i think it'd be it would, it would go a long way now the main guy alongside Keanu, he's pretty mm-hmm. American, correct? Yeah, uh, we actually uh, Hanada was in uh, Bullet Train uh, recently. Oh, okay, all right. So. Yeah, he's in things. You would yeah. re- you would recognize absolutely. him, absolutely, absolutely. But he doesn't have much of an accent, right? It's just no, no, it's, the it's, other supporting's coming it's, in. It's the the forty five of the Ronin, okay. <laughs> and and anyone else supporting in like the you know the Shogunate and 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 all the you know. The yeah. Japanese royalty. I mean, it. it would probably come across as way more authentic and way more true to, fo- like, I don't know, yeah. true to what it's supposed to be. Obviously. I mean, that yeah. goes without saying, though, if it yeah. was in Japanese. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest tragedy of it is because if it's failing in this fantasy, how is this telling the legend of the 47 mm. Ronin? Yeah. It's a, you know, I mean, that that's also a huge missed opportunity because it could have been... Something that's just fun enough, but really gets across this this folklore legend. It would have been uh, wild with yeah. all this money and time put into it if Keanu did all the lines in Japanese. Oh, if it was a Japanese movie. <laughs> it would be like Will Ferrell when he did that Spanish film. Oh, right. To date, Will Ferrell said he's the proudest he's the, ever been the in work filmmaking. He's put into it. Yes. Because <laughs> of how difficult that was. And then maybe his line delivery would sound better because yeah. we wouldn't know. It's just exactly. Keanu. Yeah, it's just Keanu. Yeah. I kind of like him in this role still. Is that weird? Um, like, was it weird? It's like way better than Matt Damon being in The Great Wall. <laughs> I haven't seen Great Wall, so I, I, I'll, okay, I'll leave right. that up. <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to my grandmother all the time. Yes, it's it's most most definitely better than Matt Damon in Great Wall. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that's just such the biggest tragedy of it. So sadly, here, folks, believe the hype on this one. It's, uh, it's not not that anyone asked <laughs> for 47 <laughs> Roman from 2013. Um, I would say maybe look up some screenshots of the gorgeous design and cool CGI, uh, but that's about as uh, it as far as it goes. We're going to go ahead and give 47 Ronin a 26. Oh, wow, 26. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. And that's shooting north of what people think about this movie as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, man, 26 is, yeah. whew, boy. And what did you... Um, 
was the runtime too like was it was two hours and eight minutes was it dragging or was it just like it was just a bad movie so I, honestly it was just the runtime wasn't the pro- yes it very much was just a flat out bad movie yeah, yeah. Um, runtime really wasn't the problem though if anything it was just the pacing of the scenes themselves you know I mean I was fine with how much time they took to build up the forces yeah. and, and tell the story but Especially yeah. for that type of, it's not that it's an epic, but it's mm-hmm. close to, it is a very large movie, or yes. supposed to be at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26, that's a bad movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not starting off strong. Yeah, I was going to say starting out 2023, not too strong. <laughs> uh, let's go into this. We'll, we'll do how this. How you tell the story of how we, <laughs> well, yes, and I mean we, we, folks. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, do, we'll do this film, and then we'll go into, then we'll go into new releases, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because this came out Christmas. It came out almost a month. Right. Well, it came out a month ago, uh-huh. so. Okay, so this is Puss in Boots, <laughs> The Last Wish, right. <laughs> and uh, Vin, we saw this. We have not been in the movies together. We have not right. gone to the movies together in quite some time. Since, yeah, over a year because yeah. it was uh, No Time to Die, which I think was November of twenty one. Right, right. So now we're in twenty three. Yep. And I said, "What are you doing Friday? <laughs> we'll go see a movie." And, yep. and I was, I was pulling the entire time to go see Puss in Boots. <laughs> I was Secretly, the one. <laughs> really? Wow. Um, he played it sly, folks. No, no. I mean, I made my things right. You know, I made it known. I think this movie should got should have gotten watched. Right, right. It's Puss in Boots. I didn't see the first film. I, were there three? I think there were only two. And uh, I is... think it's two, and then three Shrek. Yes. Okay. Which we, which we very briefly floated. Do we make a Shrek themed episode? You floated it. You floated it and took it back immediately. I asked you 15 minutes later. You're like, no, no. I'm End not of gonna the do night, it. he goes. So you're doing the Shrek episode? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Vin and I, Vin and I, uh, at last second, we were like, we got to go to this showing. So we went. We made sure to stop by the liquor store first. So, <laughs> right, so for we a children's movie. <laughs> And the sounds of Vin opening of his Jameson bottle <laughs> as, as soon as the movie was beginning. Too much. Too much. We're going to get thrown out of the theater next time. Uh, theater experience. There were some brats behind us. Yeah, you were really tuned into this. I mean, I'm, I'm seasoned. Cool guys. No, you know me. I, yeah, can't have, yeah. I can't have anyone chewing their popcorn too much, biting their fingernails next to me. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I want, right. I want complete, complete silence. <laughs> And stillness. A um, right. little bit of a chatty theater, but it was surprisingly pretty crowded still. Yeah, like I said, absolutely. I think this is the fourth weekend it's been out. Yep. And this is like the Friday night outing for families, but also uh, a, very much a teen demographic. Too. Yeah, the teen boys behind us were a little annoying. They were getting a little <laughs> cocky. And then the trying to be cool, you know, that's what they do. Right, right. And then, yeah, no, so some families, I saw some older couples there. Uh, surprisingly crowded, mm. uh, which we were not expecting. Mm-hmm. Two, two guys, two dudes going to... <laughs> Going to see it, Puss in Boots. So we saw the film. I didn't get. I have no context. That's, uh, that's all right. That's that's the kickoff. I can uh, get into it. Okay, okay. Why don't you get into it? I think it's fair to say I haven't seen Shrek three in a while, so I'm not even okay. used to the character that much. I didn't mm. see the first movie of Puss in Boots. Right, right. I was hearing this was doing okay, which is the why I kept on bringing it up. Yeah, a lot of praise online. And Puss in Boots is, was an actual previous movie. And an old character, yeah, in real life, like in the sixties and stuff, wait, in the sixties and seventies, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It was like born from something. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess all things in Shrek are callbacks to some, sort which of is fairy cool. Tale yeah, which is cool. Thing. Yeah, but why don't you get? Yeah, well, that's enough. Me kind of stumbling. Why don't you keep going? <laughs> no, I'll fly, I, more so a good introduction because uh, we we had. <laughs> I mean, the fact that this was. The first of the week, yeah. the first choice among two guys hanging out on Friday night, and then and then the theater experience. It's a it's a perfect storm. 
All right, so DreamWorks uh, back at it with the um, the powerhouse Shrek IP here, um, and I think this looks to be hinting at the return of the Green Ogre, uh, which is very interesting and, and certainly will be a flagship for DreamWorks. Only other DreamWorks animation we covered was The Bad Guys, uh, and this movie is another perfect example of this studio's blended art style of 3D figures with drawn 2D effects. Would you say the same? Definitely. Yeah. And not not like it was heavy. It's it sprinkled in that 2D effect. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, especially in action scenes, and I think worked pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like drawn lines, uh, a little bit comic bookish, a little bit anime. So, uh, but right in line with, with bad guys. Yeah. It seems to be their, their niche in the market here. The legendary cat adventurer Puss in Boots has burnt out eight of his nine lives. This puts him on a journey to find a falling star, uh, which can grant him a wish to get his lives back. Uh, this a wish, you know, in fantasy land or not, something coveted by by many. And this puts many characters on Puss in Boots's tail, including other fairy tales, as is the Shrek way. Uh, we have Goldilocks and the Three Bears being a prominent character that is on the, his tail. Um, Comedy-wise, I think this is where it stays right in line with the Shrek tradition of spoofing on classic uh, fairy tales. And while it's cute at times, there's a much larger emphasis on action in this movie. And that's where I was maybe even uh, sad I didn't touch on the original Puss in Boots. Because if that was the switch there as well, that it's less about comedy, more about hmm. kind of action set pieces or adventure set pieces. Uh, I think I would have been prepared a little bit more for the switch in this movie. But a lot more action. Believe it or not, the first 30 minutes is... Packed back to back with stylish fight scenes and honestly felt right out of an anime. Again, I, I think it's just uh, <laughs> it maybe just the talent working at DreamWorks right now, but they have a good eye for stylish action, which I was happy to see here. I was going to say, so you enjoyed it overall? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought the blending of it was cool. It's yeah. not often that, you know, we, we're not really used or accustomed to seeing being used to an animation style for a film mm-hmm. and then just them being like throwing it out of the bucket sometimes. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Or, or just throwing it out sometimes going with something new. Sure. The blendedness is very cool. I hope we see it in more. Because yeah. like you said, it was comic bookish. It was fast. It was that anime. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect for action and the action that they're going for. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I just think I think it was a it was a fun adventure film overall. I think uh, it's it's I would call it a proper adventure film as is referred to in the past, especially when a, a map to the stars introduced. Uh, we have specific set pieces called back to as if they are mile markers or checkpoints for our characters to overcome, uh, and a classic adventure type of uh, type of focus or type of story structure to it. Oddly enough, uh, the the whole film has a Western vibe to it. Uh, believe it or not, um, I think it's it's underlaid. Yeah, it, there is. It, I would say it pops up now and again. Right. Would right. you say the whole thing was a real Western Western? Um, so I put more thought in this. I think because that something happened and you looked at me and you were like, "It's just a Western." And, I, and then I think I was just like, "Ah, eh, kind of." I was right, like, right. "Don't get too excited." I think the nods are like fifty fifty to a good, the bad, and the ugly structure where they're all going after one treasure, <laughs> uh, but without the Civil War right, uh, right, right. Side, side branch of good, the bad, and the ugly. And as well, I think uh, I put more thought into this with Antonio Banderas being the voice here. I think this absolutely is a sh- little bit of a shout out to Desperado and those type of movies as well. Okay. Which, you know, action movies, but definitely callbacks to Spaghetti Westerns. There were cool, yeah, I would say there was some cool 
uh, Western elements, some window dressings. Yeah, I would not. Ca- I would never put this into animation slash Western slash adventure. No, 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 no. It's still family <laughs> movie. It's just that you know. It's. I mean, I was happy to see it. It yeah, was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's something about the the bounty hunters, the gangs, the chase after the treasure. That's what kind of gave me the the good, the bad, and the ugly vibe to it. But it is still a family movie, so mm, yeah. a payoff of a Western. It's going to be a lot of directions, honestly, but it doesn't have a Western-style payoff. Yeah, yeah and we're not watching Rango here. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, th- actually, that's a great point, that Rango is family animated, but still 100% Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I, I just had a lot of fun with the music, um, a lot of guitar and whistling, and uh, and honestly, I you know, this style, again, it was... It was unexpected for the film. Uh, I I think for me, you know, some really solid animation, uh, really solid design, and personally, I think it it does rank below some of the larger releases of 2022. But um, it's a good watch nonetheless, and I don't really have much more to to say about it. Uh, uh, I can give the score if you want. <laughs> no, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you go. Okay, I was in. Uh, you were on the fence uh, if you were given the. No. Telling two shoes or not? Well, no, no, no. The rule was we in the theater when we were the previews were on. We were saying if we ever go see, if we're ever in the movies, me and you together, right. at the cinema, that, that's that the must. I, yes, I have to give it a shoes. <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, I either have to that's care about it lunch. enough, yes, yeah. or or uh, or I give it a shoes. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, I actually I, I really liked it. Ooh. I liked it more than I thought. I didn't really. I mean. Again, we have no. I didn't know what the first one was. Didn't really know what we were walking yeah. into. Yeah. Uh, you heard the last wish, and you can kind of maybe think of some things and everything like that. I thought the premise was really good. I thought the characters were good. The animation mm-hmm. was good. I feel like there was much more uh, integration of fairy tale aspects. Maybe mm-hmm. I feel like they went hard on the fairy tale stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, it was just funny. The Baker's Dozen stuff. There were multiple times where you and I actually genuinely had laughed. Yeah, it had yeah. some that some of that adult humor. Yep. in a couple spots or which so- that's the sweet spot for Shrek for sure yeah and decent just kids animation honestly yeah make the audience make the adults in the room also enjoy it absolutely uh so yeah i agree with pretty much everything you said i didn't like the first 10 minutes i won't say i didn't like the first act i didn't really Mm. like the first 10 or 15 minutes Mm. if i watched it again now that i know what i'm dealing with Mm -hmm. i would like it a little bit more Mm. um you're kind of seeing where where it fell well yeah what what was it going for exactly i really didn't know what the deal was so i think in hindsight now that you know, I, I kind of would like it better. But watching it, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I wasn't loving the first 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I still hold up with th- the last 20 minutes were a little eh for me. Sure, sure. Uh, I kind of lost it on that last act a little bit. But for the majority of it, I enjoyed and was excited to see this story develop. Yeah. Uh, I thought the writing was was good as well. So, I no, I, I really liked it. What's the Tommy Two Shoes? I go Tommy. I go first. You want to get the Tommy Two Shoes first? I wish we had more to say about it, but I think we just. But generally, it was a good. It was a good animated movie, Mm -hmm. and for the fact that it's it's a second movie off of a spinoff character, from a previous four slot animated Mm -hmm. thing, it's Mm -hmm. I think it's impressive that they're not. It doesn't feel milked dry yet. Yes, it doesn't feel stale, even with all the same type of fairy tale satire setup. Yeah, it, I think they should maybe stop it now. Mm. Like just the way this ended, I don't know if a third one. I'm sh- I'm sure they will come up with a third one. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if anyone would really be asking for it. Sure, but sure. I mean, good job. Really, it's doing yeah. okay in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's at like a hundred and seventy-five ish or something like that. Hundred and fifty okay. mil um, domestic, which mm. is not bad for 
today's standards in theaters is sure. at, at least. So. And, and really, it's just the the hype around the film. I mean, it's getting a lot of critical praise yeah. uh, to it. And, and I think that's what kind of landed it on our radar to say, maybe we should see this on a Friday night. <laughs> well, when I first, the first time I even no- noticed there was a Post in Boots is I believe it came on the Golden Globes um, it was nominated for Golden Globe for Best oh, Animated. Really? And okay. I was just like, was animation so bad that the second Puss in Boots movie? And I was like, get the <laughs> hell out. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah that's a good But then, yeah, but then I found, oh, people are actually giving this some day, some yeah. daylight to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still in a lot of theaters. So again, it's been in theaters for a month. Mm-hmm. It's still in theaters and it looks like the theater count hasn't gone down that much. So mm. it's definitely in a theater near you. Yeah. Uh, and for our experience Still a well. good, fun watch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I guess with that said, we're going to go ahead and give Puss in Boots <laughs> the last wish a 72. Why? Hey, jumped into the 70s. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Maybe not the heights of what everyone's hyping it up to be. Uh, but uh, and bad guys so. gave a seventy five. Mm, that- yes, and I, I think this would—that's th- a, a great, great callback. I think this would um, rank lower, even in DreamWorks's own 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 products. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And for me, uh, I'm pretty much right there with you. This gets a very positive uh, two shoes. Two shoes. And I'm at the higher end of the two shoes. I would say. <laughs> right. Right. The nuances. The but laces what, are almost tied. Yes. Well, one of the laces is almost tied, but not quite. But no, it gets a really good two shoes, which don't forget is a good. Absolutely. Movie. I would say two shoes is got two shoes like on. a fifty-five to a seventy-two, seventy-three-ish. Mm. Excellent, excellent. I so, mean, you got two shoes on. You can't be in trouble too much. You know? Exactly right. Yeah, you're not walking barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think gets a, gets a two shoes easy for me. All right, good, good. So that there's your children quota out for twenty twenty two. I covered probably all of the of the children's films. So <laughs> whether I wanted to or not. All right, Ben, and with that, we're going to go into our producer segment here because we do have a producer this week. Oh, wow. And we're going to give a big, huge thank you to Brandon Beebe is back. Brandon's back. We thought maybe he might have been man overboard. <laughs> he is not. I thought you loved He is still with us, and he's donated multiple times. Yep. Uh, Brandon donated this time around $59. Wonderful, wonderful. $59. He says, the award show was okay. Disappointed that the Sonic movies didn't win any awards. According to Vinny, it's the best advertising movie. Oh, that's a category right there. <laughs> I know, and I think he's right, because I think uh, the one, what was the Walgreens movie? Oh, the oh uh, Hocus Pocus 2. Yes, mm. weren't a fan. But Sonic did get 59, and that's why Brandon also oh. gave $59. <laughs> Excellent. He goes, I know how much Vinny loves kids' movies, so come on, Vinny, torture yourself a little for us dads who need to know the great kids' movies to go take our kids to. XIV, we're and, coming yeah, right we off of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's talking, talking about good times. Yeah, man. go see Puss in Boots. That's a good one for yourself. That is 72. Um, Brandon, you continue to be a producer of the Daily Ratings. He's creeping up there. Absolutely. As far as, he's, you've donated a lot, and we cannot appreciate it enough. Yeah, yeah. And it's so good to see last week we had a new producer. Mm-hmm. We do have some uh, producers coming back, especially like Brandon, which is so incredible. You know, Absolutely. it's... Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I when I you look at all the podcasts out there, I was reading. I was reading an article even okay. today, and it's crazy because you have three ways to make money on podcasts. You okay. can have uh, exclusives, so mm-hmm. Spotify will buy you up, or this podcast will mm-hmm. network, and you Corpo. only right. You only do your podcast on that. Mm-hmm. They shell out money for that. Then you have ad reads, and then of course you have subscriptions or paywalls. Kind mm-hmm. of, you got to pay pay to play essentially. Mm-hmm. Or people do all three combined or some type of combination of them. So I cannot tell you the amount of podcasts that I personally listen to. Mm-hmm. 
been in the past like year or 18 months, they have amped up the ads. Oh, so really? I'm talking four, five, six Ooh. ads for like 45 minute hour long podcasts. Oh, man. You become the product. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. It feels, it almost feels insulting That's to a certain extent. It's point. ridiculous. And yeah. on top of that, a lot of these guys that up their ads still have paywall stuff, mm. still say, hey, give us money. You mm. can access all this stuff and sure. hear all these ads. Sure. It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, Vin and I, folks, we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to do anything of that. We don't want to treat you like a, a product. Sure. You know, uh, that's not how we look at you. We look at you producers of this, of the daily ratings, because all of you guys actually is what keep this going. Um, we don't want to go to advertising networks and say, Oh, look at how many numbers we have. Look at all these people who listen. <laughs> or, okay, God forbid, what that can you affecting give us? What can you give us? ratings and just, well. just all the BS. It's ridiculous. Yeah, to play, play a game and not have to talk about, honestly, about a movie? And, yeah. yeah. And everybody, hey, people different have... It's When you think of all the money, some people just don't have that money to spend. It's sure. your tier structures to do paywall stuff. It's also ridiculous because you have the big guys like Spotify. Sure. And they make some money off of your paid subscription. You give 10 bucks a month to Spotify. Mm. I looked at the revenue recently. Mm-hmm. They don't make nearly enough off that. Mm-hmm. They make a vast, vast, vast majority off ads. Mm-hmm. The problem is even the ads still aren't enough anymore. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to up the ads a little bit. But mm-hmm. now they're also going to do paid tier structures. The Spotify people and everything like that, they did some conventions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're lying to people saying how the RSS feed is outdated. And they're saying, well, in order to do this new stuff we want to do, in order to do this stuff we need to do, mm-hmm. it's this new technology and it's expensive, and we're, but we're going to be doing it. And uh, you know, there's going to be tier structures. And then you can go in and say, well, if you want to listen to our stuff, you need to buy into it because we need to do it. It's a lie. The RSS feed is up and running. There's great things happening with the RSS feed, really? just basic podcast stuff, open platform things mm. to keep it free, to keep it just... It's, like I said, open source and it's sure, beautiful. Sure. Um, Spotify is appling themselves mm. where they're going to create a wall that either you're in or you're out. I mean, and from it's a hostile. business perspective, it makes sense, but not not good for the It's consumer. so hostile yeah. and it's just not good for podcasts in general. But when you do the value for value, which is what it is, mm-hmm. it's not – people just want to get rich quick. That's what they do. <laughs> How many advertisers can we give people before sure. they turn off? Sure. One. And then two, um, can people just pay us money and we'll go exclusive with them and yada, yada, yada. For us, it's not a get-quick-rich scheme, definitely. No, no. But we hope one day this can provide enough for us to keep doing it and to yeah. provide better and better content for you. Sure. We want to create value and the best value that we possibly can with our resources, with our time for you. And if you're getting some of that value, stick a number to it. Yeah. You go to thedailyratings.com and like Brandon did, you can go ahead and just give a value for value for donation. Brandon decided to give $59 for his own personal reasons this time. We have set donations or you give as much or as little as you want. Did we make you laugh this week? You watch a movie because of us this week? What's the value for that? If it's just a few bucks, we would appreciate a few bucks. Absolutely. Um, that's value that you're showing that you appreciate it. And, of course, you get the producer credit in your name. You write in a note just like Brandon did, and we thank you all so much. So it's a little bit of a speech. Again, I was reading the article, was doing no, some research, and it's funny to see some companies doing very well. Sure. But things are actually starting to crumble in kind of that podcast world, mm. and things it's kind of funny to see people panicking, mm. and people don't know how to do the revenue stream and everything like that. You just... Screw the meetings. Screw all that BS. Yeah. Are you listening? Are you enjoying it? And are you finding it valuable? So dailyratings.com. Go to the donations tab. And Brandon, thank you so much. You were the executive producer for episode 67. We cannot thank you enough. I'll see you at Sonic 3 <laughs> with Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> 
All right, Vin, with that, we're going to go on to our next film. Well, this came out on Netflix in January. Uh, yes. So it, yeah. is a, it counts as 2022. But yeah, you was, were saying that this was an was, earlier release. It needs to be in theaters. It's yeah, the two-week yeah. thing. Regardless, January 6th, this came out on Netflix. This is Christian Bale in The Pale Blue Eye. This is, again, a two-hour and eight-minute movie. It's rated R, kind of a mystery crime thriller. Not so much horror, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. But why don't you take it from there and set it up for us? Okay, so yeah, The Pale Blue Eye, uh, director Scott Cooper here, uh, doesn't have a huge catalog of films, but uh, a very solid run of films. Uh, we know him from Hostiles, yes. uh, which yep. uh, way back when uh, was a movie that we watched in theaters. We did. I we liked say, overall. I don't think yeah. a lot of people liked it, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, it, in fact, actually, very interesting. I feel very similar how I did about Hostiles with Pale Blue Eye, but I'll, I'll save that for a little bit. Okay. Um, and uh, my favorite of his work, absolutely Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Um, I mean, him playing Whitey Bulger is is huge. Yeah, you so. did like him in that. Oh, and a lot yeah. of people, again, didn't really love that movie. Yeah, I, I for me... It's not Goodfellas status or anything no, like that, but I no. enjoyed it. And, and if anything, had its identity apart from Goodfellas, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it was was kind of its own thing, mixed documentary style. So here we have Cooper tackling a period piece mystery. And uh, I, I, to, to even our intro, <laughs> I was kind of misinformed on this film. I thought this was more of like a horror thriller. It is much more of a straightforward mystery. Um, Christian Bale plays a seasoned detective in 1800s New York. He is brought to West Point Military Academy to investigate a grisly ritualistic murder. Uh, and one sharp cadet is there to assist him, none other than Edgar Allan Poe, played by ha- uh, Harry Melling uh, on this. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, I. Definitely went down a rabbit hole to see if Edgar Allan Poe ever served at West Point. <laughs> and he did uh, for a brief time. So okay. this is kind of a... I don't know if I knew that. Wow. Yeah, I know. It Doesn't that sound not like Edgar Allan Poe? Does... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, you know, it doesn't sound like he would be in a military academy, no less, <laughs> you know, one of the greatest. So This, this one was, was interesting because it kind of has a historical fiction uh, element to it. I would say... Bale is decent. The real star here is Henry Melling. I or Harry Melling. I only knew him from I think Battle of Buster Scruggs. He played uh, one one of the characters in 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 the anthology there. But uh, but yeah, he was phenomenal as the legendary author. And um, hmm. performance wise, I mean, as crazy as it is, kind of out sh- outshined Bale in his own pilot. You know, I mean, really? this was his movie, and I, I. What was the screen share time? Um, I would say probably maybe a good sixty forty. I mean, he really shared a lot of the screen time, and definitely a lot of the, the development of characters uh, that that Bale will kind of get to with the mystery. It's it's very interesting as far as how he's involved with the mystery because he's not like a detective or anything like that, but he's just very intellectual and you know, eccentric even as well to maybe see some of the dots that aren't there for Bale's character in this, again, kind of ritualistic, almost spooky, uh, you know, murder spree. But uh, he looks a little dorky. He's in, he's he in like Harry Potter dorky. and everything like that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Not not, not the uh, Fantastic Beast. Not, no wands no. back in from this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, just a note. I mean, Bale was good. Uh, Melling was better, though. 
Uh, and I thought that was uh, a big win. Rather surprising. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprising in a good way. Uh, I, I would say this is, I mean, elevator pitch here, folks. It is a grim investigative mystery, and most of its structure is very straightforward for a detective story. Yeah, interviews give way to clues. Clues give way to leads. And scenes are strung together as the mystery unfolds. I would say it's not a bad film by any means. It's just a little straightforward and simple is all. Hmm. Um, each plot event is directly followed up with the next, and it's just lacking some variation is all. I like where this movie goes eventually. It's just it needed some engagement. It needed some variation and just how these were, how it was strung along. It's just too direct. Um, like, now. B- b- Plot basic. Yes. Kind of. Plot structure basic. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying I could predict where this was because, if anything, you only kind of can guess the stage ahead of you, which right, I thought right. was a. A good quality for a mystery. You gotta, you want to kind of problem solve with the detective. Uh, it just was unfolded a little bit too basic. If okay. that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and like I said, I, I think there is a lot of praise I can give Bale's character for being logical and kind of escaping a, a stereotypical Sherlock Holmes type of setup to it. But yeah, in execution, it just lacks some engagement and might just be a little bit too slow paced for people, especially for a Netflix release. This is something that. I think, and have some time to shine briefly in the Netflix window, but it's going to get very quickly lost to the black hole of Netflix for that same reason. I think it is kind of in the black hole already. It's already, it's already at the event horizon. But I, it's seeming like a lot of comparisons to Hostiles where it's kind of the same deal. Yeah. People think it's slow, and mm-hmm. also the plot, there's nothing crazy that happens yeah, as far it's not, as... it's not groundbreaking. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. And in that it's it's and that 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 it's a simple film and I'm sure this isn't a simple film. Sure. But it does follow kind of a structure. Yeah. And you can't yeah, definitely. You can't say Hostiles doesn't do that. Right. And in a similar it, way, it's I, I can't describe these movies as bad or anything like that, but uh, there's just it's 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 lacking the spark, uh, yeah. the the rewatchability certainly, and that type of spark or electricity that says, oh, you gotta go see this, you know, you gotta make time to watch this, right? And that's where I kind of fall on a lot of you know gut reactions to my scores as well. So a couple questions on aspects of the film. Sure. So how was the music? Music Howard Shore. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really good. Okay. Uh, I mean, wow. I mean, talk about if you had to hear this soundtrack, boy, does it sound like Howard Shore. His his iconic French horns that we hear in everything from Lord of the Rings to anything that he touches, uh, I mean, really uh, are, are amped up here. So it's uh, a good soundtrack from Howard Shore. Okay. Uh, and uh, I liked a lot of the the feel of the film as well. So I was going to say, how was film editing and mm. cinematographer? Editing, not too noticeable, honestly. Okay. Um, uh, cinematography, I liked a lot. I think color design, believe it or not, is a good highlight of this film. Okay, it's maybe you know unique to 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 uh, Cooper's other works. Uh, snowy white landscapes are contrasted with a pop of blue uniforms from the military academy, uh, and I, I, I think. When I was watching this, why I enjoyed it more so than even the mystery, more so than the performances, it captures the the cold, unpersonal feel of a northeast winter. You know, yeah, this felt yeah. like you know uh, Westchester, New York, no less in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> you know, what I mean, this felt like a, a New York winter. Too. So it's funny because that's how I felt about the hostiles mm. and desert and yeah. that western scenery. I thought it looked good and the. Gr- 
I don't know. I hate to say the gritty realism. It had something good where it really sure. captured it well, exactly yeah. like you said. Yeah. The reason why I ask you about this uh, cinematographer, though, is that he also did Hostiles. Mm, so maybe he's, also he's did Black up. Mass. Oh, he's buddied up with, uh, with yeah. Cooper. So. And he did and he did Spotlight, which Howard Shore also <laughs> Howard Shore did the score for Spotlight. <laughs> A lot of connectives, but also cinematographer also did The Gray, which is all snow oh. with um, Liam oh, Neeson and uh, cinematographer of Warrior as well. Uh, what is his name? Ooh, he was dan- <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. No, to you. the name he was is dancing around Masanobu Takiyanagi. Oh, okay, all right. Thank you. I think that was passing great. Thank you, folks. But a lot of connecting pieces here. Basically, yeah, it's yeah. almost like a good seven team. degrees the- of uh, Kevin Bacon or whatever. Right. So the reason why I saw editing is too because he worked on other films that Howard Shore and that. Um, that Takianagi did, mm. <laughs> and uh, <That's> good. <laughs> um, also did. There will be blood in Boogie Nights. Like he works with PTA a oh, little wow. bit, so wow. it's, it's like a it's very awesome. well-staffed yeah. film. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's just a shame that you know we're not really hearing much about it, and yada yada yada. And that's the, the black spiel. hole. Of, it's the same thing uh, yeah, every time, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but yeah, overall though, I would say it's a bit of a sleeper, uh, and, and and it will will bound to get lost in the Netflix stew. But uh, if if kind of a uh, allow me to kind of pitch up a little bit here, if a cold winter mystery or if anything a very interesting inclusion of Edgar Allan Poe both as an author but also as a character to play in this story if that piques your interest folks give it a watch and uh, maybe even just put it on a watch list to get around to eventually I mean it's an easy barrier entry for Netflix uh, and I think Cooper is coming out with another solid entry in his filmography. May not be a killer film, but definitely solid and a lot of attention to detail. We're going to go ahead and give The Pale Blue Eye a 64. Okay, 64. You know, that's a good movie. Yeah. Do you think this is just a good Saturday night watch, kind of? Maybe you know, not like... Saturday night. No? Maybe it's Sunday morning. Oh. Sunday afternoon. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I might be interested in checking this out. Yeah. Again, yeah. I do like Hostiles. I've seen it now a few times. Mm-hmm. But again, I like the team behind it. Uh, yeah. And and again, uh, Bale's great. Melling's even better. And I think that's... Uh, that's that's a plus. Yeah. That's yeah, a bonus. Absolutely. Oh, very cool. Great. Pale, pale Blue Eyes, 64%. You can watch it now on Netflix. Uh, we're going to go ahead. I, Vin, I didn't know. We also went to this movie. But we, went to, we went to this movie for all of 12 seconds. <laughs> we poke our we, heads. We were seeing if we could do a uh, double theta, you know. <laughs> but uh, this is called Skinamarink. Uh, this is not really rated. It is a very, very small budget horror. I think 15 grand is the budget. Okay, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, 15 grand. Yeah, that's wild. And I'm looking at the theaters, and it looks like it, it's not a wide release. You will probably be able to find this in a theater near you, though. Which it's, is so surprising. Yeah, like maybe one in five, one in six theaters mm-hmm. if you have some around you. Uh, I don't know why it, it's getting into such big theaters and not yeah. the small-time stuff. Uh, it's already done fine for itself, considering mm-hmm. it was only fifteen grand to make, which is yeah. unheard of. Yeah, but like the fact that I've been trying to watch like Women Talking and Empire of Light, and that's not in theaters, but Skinamarink is. <laughs> like, I it's, don't. It's very, I don't. That's true. I, I have no idea. Like, maybe it's like super. Maybe theaters don't don't even need to pay money for it. Barely. <laughs> right. You know it's, what I mean? It's real budget. So much profit for them, yeah. or any ticket is profit for them. <laughs> but again, it's called Skinamarink. It's a horror. I don't know if a lot of people have heard about this. So why don't you set it up a bit, Vin? Sure. So this was not on my radar, uh, and even when finding out about it, I kind of just assumed it was in the January fodder uh, of horror movies. And I have to say, 
This is one interesting film. It is an oddball, uh, and especially for as wide of a release that it's getting, um, I, I gotta say, folks, it is going to be seriously a coin flip whether you will like it or not. Mm. Um, I'm gonna do my best to describe it. Hopefully, I can kind of give um, you know a, a sense of if you like something else, you know this this might be something to check out. Skinamarink is an experimental, and I mean experimental horror film about two children stuck in their house. Their dad goes missing in the middle of the night, and this allows them to be free to watch cartoons in the dark and explore the the implied fear of. Uh, a dark, empty house. Hmm. Um, the story, quote-unquote story, is <laughs> not concerned with engaging the audience. It's about capturing this feeling of being in the dark as a child. That would be how I pitch this film. Interesting. Uh, there is barely any script. Really? Uh, there is barely any music. I will say that this functions almost like a silent film in that you're kind of just absorbing just the visuals and that's giving you the feeling alone. That's giving you the experience alone. The horror is really only clocked up when paranormal events start happening in the house and we as the audience now uh, take these quiet, nostalgic moments on screen and now are panicking and scanning the screen for these paranormal things that we need to pick up out of the lack of anything going on in the movie. Really? So yeah. is there anything... It's, but we, we do still follow these two children or they're just yeah. like once in a while you'll see them in the house yeah once in a while they'll say like hello or okay uh you know they'll, they'll call for their mom or their dad right uh, right but very minimal it's uh yeah it, it, it's out there and i will say you know this approach i really want to give points for um that sounds wild yeah this is not a january release you know i mean this yeah. is like a sundance release i don't know and maybe that plays into why we're just getting it now maybe it achieved enough enough hype or uh you know kind of reverence that it's it's getting this like weird fake wide release right uh, right you know however that's working on the back end but so. it sounds wild that really it's hmm. yeah there's almost a game to the movie because you take these moments and you're almost, again, nostalgic about it. And then some things kind of are flipped on. The paranormal side of it is flipped on. Yeah. And now uh, the game is scanning the screen for anything hiding in the dark, basically. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. But that's kind of, it's cool that it's leaving it up to you to be part of it. Yes. Rather than you watching kids doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, props all the way for yeah. that. Yeah. I, I was really... I was really about this. <laughs> I was really like rooting for this film because it was from the budget, from from how interesting it is. Uh, but how was the shooting of it? Was it was it over the shoulder? Was it first person, or was it just fourth man in the room? Like you're the you are the cameraman kind well, of. That that's definitely adds to the look here. So we never actually see our characters. Mm. The most we see is uh, pajama pants and below. Oh no uh, shit! Yeah, yeah. I, we never see the actual children. Oh, that adds a creepiness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Instead, shots are often the carpet with some Lego spilled on it or the couch with a cartoon static uh, being projected, you know, kind of sure. soaking the room and illuminating the room. Very cool cinematography here, uh, and that is exclusively the film. I mean, honestly, this type of static lighting, um, and not static as in, in, in kind of one note or anything like that, actual TV static, that type of lighting 
was so interesting to uh, to again coat the room in in kind of nostalgia, but also create this fear of the dark. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm, it's these yeah. two children. Uh, we're trying to step into their shoes and be scared of the dark once again, basically. Or maybe I don't know. You know, <laughs> you scared of the dark? Time? <laughs> I'm a little scared of the dark sometimes. Huh? <laughs> maybe that's why I it's kind of wi- was rooting for this. <laughs> but it's a, that's a, it's a wild premise. It's extremely simple, but extremely, can, extremely sp- different. Extremely yeah. different. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it, it's at its best when we have really artsy shots. For instance, uh, you know, there's a lot of shots that they love. That it's just the wall molding on a on a hallway. Going coming into a room and there's just like this pitch black shadow that your eyes are so lasered in on to say, oh my god, is something gonna you know pop out? Right, basically. right. I I would say you know better yet, the presentation here a very original, but it, it doesn't live up to all that it's building. Uh, and I think some people will see this and think it's absolute trash uh, hmm. because they won't be hooked by the presentation and then by very little happening to the move in the movie itself. Again, story is not the emphasis here. It is this feeling, feeling of feeling. The, the fear of the dark. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of comparisons to uh, other found footage type of films like Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity. I would call these a little bit off base. Okay. Uh, this film almost feels like a boiled down aesthetic uh, more than anything. Um, this feels like if you took... Uh, like Poltergeist, the film Poltergeist, yeah. and just like wanted that as a style, no story, you know, uh, which is which is interesting. It's it's more about that as the focus than um, than you know where with Blair Witch, it's about going mad in the woods. Yeah, there are similar qualities to the horror that you're scanning the screen and kind of expecting something to happen, but the 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 outcome and the and the the objective of the film is very different. If that makes sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, it it, it does. I, it's the first horror in a while that I'm kind of interested in, yeah. in, in delving into. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that's great to hear because you're not into horror at all. No, but it's impressive. I mean, I love the fact that it was only fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't know why it's catching some sort of mm-hmm. rhythm or it's, it's catching some sort of wave where it's in actual theaters, mm-hmm. which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's an IFC film, and maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, they have to. They obviously have to be doing the heavy lifting as far as uh, distri- distribution so but i mean i everything you're saying i'm 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 digging cool you know what i mean cool. because it's not maybe the problem with horror is it's so much schlock it's sure. so much repetitive re- mm. you know of just the same mm-hmm. old same old jump scares this whatever yep um, I mean, you look at that letdown with Smile. It yeah. did really well for horror and budget. Sure, but as Marketing far as paid off. right, as far as delivering on on what the film is, not so much. Yeah, yeah. This just sounds neat. I think it also helps because I saw twelve seconds of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we walked out and you said that looked freaking cool. Yeah, like, yeah. That's looking pretty that cool. That looks scary. Yeah, it got me. It got me to to go watch it. <clears throat> so, I think the problem is the film is looks much scarier than it actually is. Right, and the payoff is. Yeah. You're really there for the experience. You're yeah. not there for any type of slam bam finish. You're or right. it's no. kind of like you're there and then it's over. An exactly. hour and forty minutes of this. Exactly. Okay. Um I think uh, and and not something that I usually say about features, but this would have been dynamite as a short. Hour or forty five minute short. It would just distill what's there, and man, it, it really hit. Um, so an hour and 40, it did drag. It, it only because, again, the look of these scenes, they're scary. Like, you'll see a scene of, like, again, these these Legos on the carpet, 
and the noises ambient that are happening in the house. And you say, like, holy shit, this looks terrifying. Right, right. You know, like, really, like, piss your pants, whore. Uh, but the fact is that you have an hour 40 minutes of the same type of scenes mm. and it just grows numb. You just grow numb to it. There's just not variation between characters. There's right. not a variation between story. I, I think also the film has an interesting detriment that we're not seeing characters be scared, which I'm not saying I need jump scares or no. a, a chick screaming in the camera, but that goes a long way to actually create investment into into a whole Yes, yeah, so, I mean, basically what you're saying is an hour and 40 is fine, but you need you can't do the same thing that you were doing in minute 15 or 20 exactly you need to be doing more by hour and 20 hour yeah. and 30 and exactly and the build-up wasn't there and the build-up wasn't there almost to a frustrating point yeah i feel like my theater which was fairly packed again for this 15 grand film fairly uh, and did, yeah when you, you saw this on a sunday uh i saw this on saturday wow after, fairly after, packed after pissing boots so. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh yeah because i think everyone was kind of like what, what's going on here and uh, the theater was like angry at this film. They, they, it was like a waste of time type of anger. Uh, oh, you could like you were just reading body language, or oh, at the oh, end, people were just like talking about it when they were walking out. <laughs> they were angry with us. So well, clearly, maybe the style did not overcome the lack of substance. You need there. context. Yes, you need context going into yes. this thing. And as good as these scenes look, the fact that and it's not my usual critique of it's too long. I don't think it's too long. Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's no variation in the scenes being presented, and it 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 weakens its own feet. It needed a build up or at least a pay. Yeah, and yeah. it just was consistent. It very consistent. Yeah, um, which I mean, if it's trying, I mean, to... don't get me wrong, it gets there a okay. little bit, but it's just again, it. Uh, it's just, you were sitting there, kind of grinding your teeth, feel like yeah, as as spooky and as really terrifying as a scene looks, it gets watered down because there are there are a dime a dozen basically. Right. Okay. You know, uh, I, I think uh, like I said, there's definitely uh, something lost not seeing actors scared on screen. I'm not saying I would want these very young kid actors trying to act scared or anything like that, but there's something lost there. Okay. So. Uh, but in a very real way, far too many screens are without reward, payoff, engagement, horror, and it's just an implied horror. I really loved the look of this film, and I was game to scan the screen and, and, and look for the subtle horror that might be lurking in the darkness, but I just think it's a lot to ask for a singular focus of an average movie watcher. Uh, folks, I, I think if you decide to give this a chance, I would be recommend it would be recommended for me if you decided to give some of the silent film horror that we covered back in October a chance. Uh, I feel like this could have that same type of appeal. If that was engaging enough for you, Skinamarink will most likely be engaging for you as well. And I think this might hit for you. Otherwise, you might be better off looking for Scare by actually turning off the lights in your real room. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and give Skimmerink a 45. Ooh, okay. That's way lower than I thought. That's yeah. way lower than I thought you were going to get yeah. it. Yeah. I, I believe me. Why I, would you not give it higher? I were... was rooting for it, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's just not there. You know what I mean? Wow. It's just, it's so just if it's a 45 there. for you, you'd, probably for a lot of people, it would be... <laughs> Way low. Way low. Yeah. I don't know. I think the fact that, I mean, if I went just blind into this, mm -hmm. I would probably come out and be, be confused and frustrated. Mm -hmm. If I know that this is what the deal is mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I agreed to go see it, then I don't think that I won't be... I won't be sitting there being yeah. like, is it going to be more? Is it going to be more? It's yeah, just, yeah. It just is. Yeah. And hopefully this is this is a, a great example. This movie, huh. that I had a hell of a lot to talk about for nothing that yeah. doesn't even have a yeah, single yeah. line of dialogue. 
you know, I, I, these are the type of movies I really do love covering on a podcast specifically because I can put context behind that. You need that context. Score. You can't just you put know? a number to it. Right. And there's and certain, think, things, there you go. certain things to love about this film, but it's just not there in the final result. Which so this is, is a course. very good 45. This is a very happy 45. Right, right. This is, this is, uh, very much the, how 40 to 60 is coin flip area. It can, it can really hit for some, it can, it can fall short for others. Okay. So. All right. So 45% skin and rank. I, it's probably one of the most interesting films you've seen in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. But, uh, okay. All right. So we're going to go into our last film here. This is called Missing. Uh, this just came out this past weekend. So it's only a few days old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and director is Nicholas D. Jo- well, first of all, let me go back to Skin and and just say oh. Kyle Edward Ball was mm-hmm. the director. Sure. And it would be cool if something else happens with him. Yeah. I hope yeah. we get maybe more from this. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if, I mean, this could be just a watch if you see it on IFC. It's going to yep. show up on IFC channel yep, yep. as well. But Kyle Edward Ball, maybe it's a name to kind of keep I think you bring up a, a great point because I think this is the type of look that on a second iteration can be fine-tuned, you know? He can basically oh, yeah. just well, fine-tune you... the concept. Right. Actually... Well, not only that. He had $15,000. <laughs> $15,000. Right, right. I just picture him with $1 million, which is still a very, very sure, low budget absolutely. for today. Yeah, so um, maybe but... we'll cut balls and break. <laughs> anyway, this is Nicholas D. Johnson now. This is Will Merrick. This is Missing, our very new film. Mm-hmm. And Vin kind of set this up for us again. Not horror, but again, another little mystery, another thriller. Yeah, definitely thriller. Uh, wide release as well. It's in theaters now. It's rated PG-13. What do we have? Yeah, so our, our directors here, there's a little bit of a story. Johnson and Merrick were both editors on 2018 Searching. And that's an important film. Searching kind of came and went, stars John Cho, but has the identical same gimmick. The movie has the same premise of researching, a missing family member, all from the perspective of a computer screen. Uh, Searching got a lot of praise when it came out for that. Uh, And we also have kind of an odd flip. We don't usually see editors, no less two editors, go from editor to director. Mm. There is no connection between these two movies, though, so don't sweat not seeing Missing, or rather Searching, (laughs) and and maybe, you know, you kind of choose which one seems more attractive by the premise because they have the identical gimmick of uh, being on this. So, Uh, In Missing, we follow teen girl June, uh, excited for her mom to leave vacation. Her relationship with her isn't great, uh, so it's happy trails to her and her new boyfriend until her mom never comes back from the trip. Uh, This spirals her into a deep-dive mystery uh, on the web and that defines the presentation of the whole film. When I say deep-dive, that kind of makes sense, you know, going down the rabbit hole, really dedicating a whole night to searching into things on on the line. That makes sense, right? Yes. Okay. Has that has that vibe to you know when when you're really spending time online? Sometimes you'll catch something and you'll just go down the rabbit hole again and again. That's the that's kind of the point of this film. It's trying to be this deep dive, but combined with a mystery. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Sleuth it just she turns into an internet sleuth. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. The gimmick of the whole film is that every shot is presented on screen and. And from a piece of technology that the characters would use. I mean, 90% of this is presented from June's MacBook. There are There's an interesting cut montage that is multiple camera phones. There's some smartwatch camera action here. But 90%, I would say, is all from the MacBook screen that we see it through. Wait, wait so we're sitting there. The entire screen is the image of the MacBook screen? Yep. 
So we're not Mac- seeing her on the MacBook screen. We're just like. So this is where it gets into a little bit of unnaturalness of using that technology. You know, if she's on Snapchat, if she's on FaceTime, that's yeah. a natural video of her. The suspension of disbelief here is that she is just keeping her Skype or webcam up and running while she's working on the computer constantly. And that's how we're getting through this. And that's how we're seeing the character. You, you hit on <laughs> your your reaction here is exactly my reaction. It's just like it's an hour and fifty one minutes. Who the hell minutes. is doing this? Yeah, who the hell is doing this? And she's uh, also not the. By the way, the director's not the first one to do this. Uh oh, really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, this was like mid one of the mid seasons of Modern Family did an entire episode like this. <laughs> really? I'm not even joking. That's my, maybe before searching as well. Yeah, it could be. Now maybe it's good because that was only twenty two minutes. This is an hour and fifty one. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. Props, props for the dedication to that. Yeah, I would say on a. You said around ninety percent. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the gimmick. That's the whole point. That's the the whole thing. Okay. The camera work is, I would say, clever. Uh, I, I specifically enjoyed in the earlier parts of the film the type of juggling of many different apps and the pace that switching between apps like an 18-year-old girl would be using a phone. So right. I think it's just was... minimizing it up. And <laughs> right, minimizing right. It. There, there was some true-to-life element to it here, but most of that originality fades as the music or as the music as the movie goes on. That suspension of disp- disbelief of how the presentation of this technology is is portrayed on screen your gut reaction here of saying how is this a movie mm-hmm. that's <laughs> that is what i take issue with first of all the mouse clicks and the general <laughs> computer white noise is very annoying <laughs> in no way has a macbook sounded like this in years and i'm not even a mac user okay, like <laughs> so you got to edit that sound out basically yeah it's like <clears throat> Man, uh, I, I understand she's clicking on it. I don't need, like, the physical click of the button and then an audible click within the... Uh, it's it's a lot. It's real annoying. Uh, but I'll leave that note alone. That's just that's a nitpick on me. My issue, though, is it's not with the natural product placement that comes here. I have no problem that she's using top-of-the-line apps sure. or top-of-the-line technology. Siri, Alexa, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, FaceTime, Apple, you know, all of these things are thrown in constantly. Sure. And if anything, I, impl- I, I applaud the film for being genuine. I would honestly hate if they had to make a hundred made-up apps that were supposed to be spoofing the real thing. I'd rather them just be genuine and use Yeah, it the feels real more apps. real. It feels yeah. more real, yeah. Exactly. My issue is that the presentation of the technology feels fake as shit. It is perfectly shown in any Snapchat video FaceTime that is framed perfectly. Like, who is holding the camera with this oh. perfect framing? It goes to what you said. Well, like, you notice that immediately. Oh, yeah. That's when you want, like, that's when you want it should be real. Do exactly. handhelds. It would have been cool if this was all shot on iPhones almost. Sure. Like, uh, right. like Tangerine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you notice that instantly. Yes. And you got to cut that out. I, I, you you read need a little my mind. add shaky camness to it. <laughs> right, know? right. You need to add some amateurness to yeah, it. Yeah, yes. Because no one is holding this. She she hires a uh, a like a uh, like not like a, a, a hand for hire, but uh, she hires this like a PI. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, no, kind of no. like a PI. It's kind of like a Fiverr scenario where like. They'll just do anything, I guess. Okay, I all right, all right. Anyway, she hires this guy, and like this guy has perfect framing, but he's like riding on a dirt bike mm-hmm. through city streets, and it's like, who is holding this phone this way? There's <laughs> yeah. A, 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 to your note, rookie mistake. Yeah. 
<laughs> to your note, you honestly perfectly said it, Tom. It is a gut reaction. Yeah. You're going to see this and say, oh, my, my, this is still a movie. And I'm fine that it's a movie. My BS meter is exactly. Off. It's that uncanny valley where yeah. it's, you're just not selling it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I think that is where this gimmick, this commitment to the gimmick becomes a burden to the film because it's actually a pretty decent mystery. Um, it unf- it, like it unfolds okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a good thriller underneath it. Really, I think it is hindered by the obsession to stick to the gimmick. Uh, use the gimmick to flourish some scenes, uh, to create some yeah. interesting film styles. Do not uh, uh, you know adhere to it one hundred percent because later on when things need to be amped up in this thriller. Mm-hmm. This commitment to oh my god to this to this MacBook presentation this computer screen presentation it's asinine it falls apart because Does of it? The, because of the presentation you know it's like why would a camera be here there's a camera in like a in like a <laughs> air vent and it's like what the <laughs> it's just true it's like trying a little too hard yeah, it's trying it's like, a little too hard not delivering right. exactly so or, or uh, at that point adjust your 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 story to not have bombastic moments. That clearly a camera is not going to be within arm's length of it, or no yeah, less filming it. it perfectly. Cut the gimmick. <laughs> cut the gimmick for Act Three and totally yeah. switch gears or whatever. You know, this is a crime thriller. Why are there cameras around the crimes? <laughs> you know, it's 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 just bad. It's just bad. How was the girl? Uh, pretty good. And in in those early moments, very good at selling again this. Um, Christ, I sound like an old timer now, but this youthful use of technology. <laughs> uh, you know, it, right? It, she, she, she she sold her age exactly. Yeah, exactly. And she seemed like, but it, so uh, I don't know. Is there a lot of acting going on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's okay, on right. camera near constantly. Okay, honestly. it just happens anything, to be through Skype or through yeah, this or that. Yeah, the other exactly. Thing. Or okay. this just like idling video feed of, you know, she's not connected on a call to anyone, but she has like a video preview of yeah, herself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I said, I would imagine there is a similar problem with 2018's searching, uh, but there are many points in the story that um, the story itself is weakened by this relentless commitment to the gimmick, to its own gimmick. Uh, and I think that was my problem with the film. But understand, uh, or rather, I understand, weird things turn me off about film. <laughs> so I understand. I I'm surprised it, you think that's weird. Why um, would that not annoy anybody? Everybody, uh, it annoy me. Well, maybe maybe we're both weirdos. <laughs> I just think I just think if you're gonna think about it, if you're dedicating in a movie to that, and yeah. you're just watching a the screen of a person functioning, mm. like you're not watching them taking control of the screen. The mm. screen is just the screen, right? Right. Your movie screen. Yeah. You got to sell that, and if you're gonna do the FaceTime or the Skype or whatever, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if it looks like it's fake then it's it's just it throws it off it throws it off completely i and i really did think it threw it off but if that doesn't bother you folks i think you have a solid mystery uh and it's paid off in in strictly the story i would say many many twists and turns kept me guessing uh and i think that's a critical quality for a mystery to have nowadays where especially with the return of the the whodunits the march of the whodunits that's coming back. Uh, you know, originality is is very important to to revitalize uh, these type of stories. So, I think there's even bit of a uh, of a cool meta element to the plot lines around obsession and you know diving down the rabbit hole, researching, deep diving online. There's a there's a little bit of a, of a cool quality to that because. Not only in the thriller is June getting uh, obsessed with finding out the truth of what happened uh, and why her mother is missing, um, but I think that's true to life in how 
when you're online, when you're researching something, you can fall down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So there was there was some cool qualities to it. For me, I think the gimmick was just such a large burden for the film and has yet to be done. Uh, believe me, when a movie like this comes out and the gimmick feels real, that gut check, that gut feeling mm -hmm. I'll have, I will be the first to praise it. For now, we're going to go ahead and give Missing a 57. 57, okay. I don't know what to think about that. I don't know what to think of this film. I don't really have interest in really? seeing it. Yeah, well... I, I have interest in you watching that Modern Family episode and seeing <laughs> was it done better or worse. Right, Seriously. Right. I, think, I think this is a strategic time to take another crack at this concept uh, from 2018 Searching. I don't know. We'll, we'll pull the Modern Family up whenever that was here. <laughs> um, but I think uh, it's strategic timing because of the return of true crime. Uh, type of obsession. Yeah, very uh, true. This it, is a, a film you can place yourself in the shoes of June and get obsessed with this kind of true crime type yeah, of approach. Yeah, it, it, it's very strategic that it's PG-13. You mm -hmm. know the target audience yep. is, you know, the parents can drop the kids off at the theater. Sure. This feels a little adult, feels yeah, a little absolutely. creepy, weird. It's mm -hmm. definitely a good young adult film. Yep. Um, and I think it's scratching an itch a little bit. I mean, I'm not doing so hot in the theaters, obviously. Oh, really? I don't think it's supposed to be. So uh, I don't think sure, it's supposed sure. to be that. Yeah. Would you recommend, Would you even though you gave Skinamarink a 45% and missing a 57, would you maybe push people to go see Skinamarink more? Yes, because I would just want them to make up their mind on it. And I know that's not translated in the score, but I think, again, there's a, there's an execution yeah. uh, problem yeah, yeah, yeah. with Skinamarink. So. Okay, Ben. Uh, so looking at these, do you want to... I, I have something else. Oh, you have I something. Totally, I have something else. I totally... Okay, I'll start, then you can oh, finish yeah, how we naturally ahead. do it. <laughs> I didn't, I forgot to bring this up when we finished uh, the Pale Blue the Pale yeah, Blue yeah. Eye. Mm -hmm. our, our newly elected uh, senator uh -huh. is uh, is in the film. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. For... J John Fennerman. Is, is, is in <laughs> the film? <laughs> yeah. Wait, how? He, he plays Tavern Man. <laughs> Tavern and, Man. And his wife plays Tavern Woman. Wow. Was it a PA production? Uncredited. Or? I don't know. Is Cooper... I don't Cooper's know. Cooper's Keystone. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, John Fetterman was in. Wow. John Fetterman was uh, in the film. Oh, hey. Uh, Good anyway, work if you can get it, huh? Fun little, <laughs> fun little note. But, uh, Vin, looking at these films here, what do you want to end on? What do you want to uh, touch on here? Not the films at all. This was a, it was a tough week. Uh, two uh, okay. notes. Uh, as I've said before, I hate goddamn trailers. The trailers yeah. that I saw for Knock at the Cabin Door and Ant-Man particularly, gave away so goddamn much. Ooh. It, like, angered me. Knock at the cabin door specifically, because believe me, you know, we're going to be covering it not too long. The first trailer gave you the perfect amount of what you want. You know, Shyamalan knows how to cut a trailer. Yeah. The second trailer, it is generic music. It is it gives you everything. Way I, I, I'm not even excited for the. Film and I feel anymore. like directors hate trailers as well. Yeah. And this is why I feel there's a big enough directors out there. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Marvel, they have you in advice. Right, right. you, you have no choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like for instance, we brought up Paul Tam Thomas Anderson mm -hmm, earlier. Mm -hmm. He directs his own trailers, I love and that's it. like in the um, you know, the the, the signing and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the film, because I love it. it's a, it's such a shame. Well, I mean, look at 80 for Brady. They gave away the whole movie. <laughs> now you're not going to go see it because you saw the movie already. I right, know. No. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, there rolling I, credits I, here. Just, just the rare uh, good watch as far as series TV, uh, got to say. 
Last of Us on HBO, pretty killer. And actually, You're watching it. Yeah, I am. I am. Wow. You have yeah. time to watch more things? No, not really. But <laughs> it's it's more on in the background. Wow. Believe me, I'm not taking notes. I don't know when the know. last. I can't believe yeah. you're watching a show. Uh, and no joke, anime wise, there's an anime called Chainsaw Man. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And it's new? Phenomenal. Brand new. Brand new. How can we get it? How can we find uh, it? Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll's the, the juggernaut in, in anime streaming right now. Oh. They bought out actually Funimation. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So those two, the rare shout out I give yeah. to it. That's, but that's, I, that's a big, folks, that's a big deal that he's thoroughly, bringing up TV. <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed. Wow. It. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. That's awesome, Finn. Uh, I wanted to, I'll make one other moment. You sure? Because I forgot to mention this again. <laughs> I'm on a mess this week. Uh, I believe Skinamarink is coming on Shudder in early February. Oh, that uh, doesn't Shudder have some crossover with IFC? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be surprised because I think IFC, I saw, is coming out with one or two more horrors soon. <laughs> soon. But we talked about it before. Shudder is an all... It's all like a, it's, it's like a Netflix, but for horror. Yeah. Yeah, and I think cool it's concept. cheap. I think it's five or eight bucks, but I know um, there's some people that really, really love that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it might be worth a buy, And uh, but again, it's going to come on there. Okay, Ben, thank you so much for watching these films. I had a blasting Puss in Boots with you. <laughs> it was great to go to the movies with you. It really again. was. It really was. We got, we got to do that more. Yep. Um, but thanks for stopping by. Thanks for reviewing these films for us. Folks, we're running down one more time here. We have 47 Ronin with a 26%. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish with a 72. The Pale Blue Eye with a 64. Skinamarink with a 45. And Missing with a 57%. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Brandon, thanks for producing. And we'll see you all next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. you enjoyed the podcast if you would could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you just like to see more movie ratings from vince be sure to stop by the dailyratings.com we have our ever-expanding catalog of films also if you found value in the podcast or our site become a producer and go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us we're looking to build this into something large and great but also be independent from those corporate sponsors we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.